I'm Master Torgo. I'm the famous Paul. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Back check, Andy. And we're from Geek Shock, and you're listening to Seven Land Hand. It's Seven Land Hand. Woo-hoo! Brought to you Australia-wide by Good Games. It's Valentine's Day in June. That's what you get when you have more Lovecraft cards in the Hallmark aisle at the adult shop. Cthulhu has arisen to knock four shades of card shit out of you in Darwin Castle's Cthulhu Realms. Is that the sound of music? Or just Settleland hand potters wearing lederhosen and singing, Abja, Abja, Dia, Abja, Abja? This is Settleland Hand. Cthulhu Realms is a deck-building player elimination game from Tasty Minstrel Games, or TMG, which is the same as MTG, but spelled different. It was released in 2015 and was designed by Mathematical Madman and MTG Hall of Famer Darwin Castle. It's a game for two to four players and aims to drive your opponents insane within 25 to 45 minutes. The game's elevator pitch reads as follows. Cthulhu Realms is a fast-paced deck-building game with a comical twist on the Cthulhu theme. Drive your opponents insane to win the game. Cthulhu Realms is brought to you by the creators of Star Realms. One disclaimer before we proceed, though. Darwin Castle is not a madman. However, he is an avalanche rider and believes that nothing in life should cost more than three in a mountain. He'll also be joining us late in the show, so uh, stay tuned to hear from the man himself. But what does it all mean to gamers? Well, here to Fenglui Mulgarnraf, while Cthulhu Wagar Nail Fatagans in Relia, or, you know, whatever, something along those lines, it's... uh, Matt, insane in the membrane, McHale. Insane in the brain! And laying down all the other Cypress Hill tracks, it's Jamie Lawrence. I ain't going out like that. From Hurstville. We've gone <laughs> from Valentine's Day to Cthulhu to illicit drug fueled rap, and the podcast is only two minutes uh, old. And you uh, record? I think so. And what, what have you been doing the rest of your geeky lives, gentlemen? Well, I've been catching up on a bucket load, a metric bucket load of movies i thought you were watching game of thrones yeah i'm doing that too i'm multitasking are you on holiday (laughs) no almost almost on holidays again yeah but uh no i feel uh everything is right now i've caught up with everything (laughs) in the marvel universe yeah the stars are right (laughs) yeah (laughs) they are and i've uh managed to see apocalypse i've managed to see civil war uh ant-man um Get so, through a majority of the fl- of, of Flash, even though he's DC. But uh, so you've done it all. What's your What's your top tip then? Top if, tip: If someone like you has lived in a wardrobe for the last few years and not seen any of those, what would you go back to first? I'm going to say Ten Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> he gives us a list of Marvel movies and action superhero movies, and then just goes, <laughs> "Ah, screw them all. Let's yeah. just go watch." 10 I didn't Cloverfield. get to that one. That is awesome. That it movie, is a though. brilliant movie, yeah, and I think it fits cool. very nicely with uh, tonight's theme and all. But yeah, that's my top yeah, tip. Alien Invasion. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, who knows where the uh, deep old ones have really come from? All right. Deep space, deep under the ocean. Who knows? But uh, no, Ant Man. Ant Man more fun than what you reckon, than what you expected there, right? Yeah, Ant Man yeah. was terrific, and and I really loved his cameo. No, his cameo, but uh, uh, his appearance in Civil War. Um, <laughs> I think that was really really witty, and, and Paul Rudd, he's just that comic superhero that that, that I think we've needed. Well, listener, if you if you wanting to um, catch up on movies that are three to four years old, you're in the right <laughs> place. <laughs> the uh, the buddy cop stuff between him and Falcon is fantastic. Yeah, like, it's seriously the standout in that film. 
Yeah, it's very good. I've, um, uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, we don't often get a soapbox out on the, on our show here, but um, you know, as a, as a black woman, I'm offended. I'm and I'm wanting to make a stand. I was at uh, JB Hi-Fi's and other retailers recently, uh, checking out the Infinity figures, and uh, for the latest Star Wars, I want to ask, where's Ray? Where's Finn? Nothing. So who they've got there? They've got a Poe. They've got they've got a Poe figure. Yeah. And I didn't. I was going to do some homework and check out what else they had, but that was the first one that I saw. You'd think, out of the priority list of who's in there, you'd think that uh, that Ray or Finn would would make a mention. My, my daughter was with me, and she's like, "Oh, where's the Ray figure?" And I'm like, "Yeah, they're not doing it because um, the world doesn't like female isn't heroes." Ray, though, isn't Ray in the starter set, the starter box? I don't think so. But perhaps you could tell us some more geeky news, and I'll do my homework and see if it really is there before. <laughs> Well, um, it's freaking cold here in Sydney. Um, it's uh, it's snowing about an hour from my house in the mountains. It, can oh. we do the obligatory um, line about winter coming, or should we just we'll leave, we'll leave that out now? Can't we? Uh, I don't do that whole game. It's yeah, yeah, fair. So Sorry, leave it out. really, you don't do That's it. Okay. You don't do it because you don't partake, or you don't do it because it's just been done. I watched the first season and just didn't. That, that was enough. Didn't think much. Yeah. Sorry. Get um, back to your tales of chill. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's freaking cold. Uh, I was uh, I was late to the pod tonight because uh, I just had to sort of bunker down the house, tuck the kids in, get a heater and put it in the study, and <laughs> make the room tolerable for for living in for podcasting. Well, it's getting cold here too, but I guess not uh, not Sydney cold. Sydney's you know f- a fair bit further south than uh, than Perth is, I think. If my yeah, it's, uh, well, it was unexpected. It's not particularly bad you know in the grand scheme of things but it's cold <laughs> oh, i've got i've got some news here um first two figures from star wars episode seven announced this is one from a while ago and it's uh, ray and finn so <coughs> <laughs> forget everything i said earlier on oh i was offended in the, no i wasn't don't worry about it so oh. let's just take an axe out and chop that soapbox up yeah, <laughs> yeah obviously it's a faulty one. That's why we don't get the soapbox out because it's rubbish. We've got no strong opinions about things that matter in the world. Right, I'll tell you it. what. Let, let's improve. Uh, let's improve your week in geek. Yeah. Tell us about the Eldritch Week you've had. Oh, I know that's a bit of showing off, isn't it? <laughs> hey, listener, if you <laughs> like news, these, though. if you like these sultry tones, <laughs> 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 and, and I'm taking a Vicks vapor drop out of my mouth as to say that. Uh, yeah, HP Podcraft, um, they do a bump for us every now and again. And um, at the beginning of the show, you might have heard them. And um, yeah, it was, they were kind enough to invite me onto their show. I'm just trying to get all the deets while I tell you this. And I did a bit of reading. I did a bit of uh, HG Wells' The Sea Raiders. I think I'm going to get them the wrong way around. And Robert E. Howard's The Sea Raiders. No, it's a different... <laughs> I've got, got it right here. Uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, Sea Raiders by H.G. Wells and Robert E. Howard's story was The Sea Curse. And I read a few par- uh, paragraphs of that for him. And um, it's just hit the airways on episode 312, 312 of H.P. Podcraft, which is a bloody good podcast. It really is. Podcast, if you're it into... It is one of the um, best podcasts. Yeah. yeah. And now, you know, like not only have they done, like if, say if you don't like Cthulhu stuff, um, they've done every single, talked through every single uh, HP Lovecraft story ever, and you can get all that sort of stuff for free still. And now they just do a um, a podcast where they review weird tales of yeah. various descriptions. People write in and we talk about them. And um, yeah, those uh, Chris Lackey and Chad Pfeiffer just break it down so quickly. 
Um, they're concise. They only take half an hour each time, just about, unlike who you're listening to right now. And, um, well, yeah, we cover a lot more ground than that. I've been, yeah, I've been listening to them for years now. They're brilliant. And, um, yeah, it was a big thrill. That was good fun. It is one. That's one podcast where I think going back and looking at their back catalogue, the yeah. very first ep- episodes, won't do you any harm That's because all. they're doing material that's over 100 and... <laughs> no, no, it's not 100 years old. It's like, yeah, 80, 90 years old. So, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, no, I, I <laughs> no, really it never it. gets old once it's that old. No. never gets older. Yeah, so that's about as eldritch as you can get, isn't it? And I'm off that's to Providence. Good. I'm off to Providence in August. Woo! All right, that's enough showing off, though. What about uh, well, while, while we're in the podcast world? Yeah, I've been checking out. I've been checking out this one called Invisibilia, which is a one of the NP- NPR uh, podcasts. It's okay. freaking genius. What's it called? This, it's called Invisibilia. Invisibilia. Yes, and it's about the intangible sort of statistics that shape the world around us. Oh, really? Yeah. We have, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're, yeah. That's a, if it's a so, drinking. So the game. most recent episode I was listening to, they were talking about how you can train people to change their emotions. So they interviewed these people who had set up the first McDonald's in Russia, and uh, and how they'd had to teach Russian people to smile because in in the culture they they don't smile except for people they're really personable with. Yeah, and it was just it was amazing to hear you know these stories. Another one that they were talking about was uh, some people who were working on an oil rig and how they changed oil rig culture from being all macho and, uh, you know, do what you're told even if you don't know how to do it to um, people asking for help and working together. It's just remarkable stuff. We have a suburb over here called Bilia, and many people wish it was Invisibilia. No, that's that's not true. Uh, <laughs> no, we love, we love all our listeners that live in Bilia. Um, I've got no idea if it'd be better off invisible or not. I don't know if I've even been there. <laughs> Love you all. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right yeah. about that one. I work near, very near there. So. Hey, Quantum Break. Has anyone seen this? This is an Xbox thing. Oh, it might be a PS3. No, I think it's an Xbox exclusive. I picked this up as my next game to play, uh, and it's starring Aidan Gillen off Game of Thrones. He's, yeah. you know, he's the Brothelono guy with the... Um, sort of little finger that, yeah exactly that's the guy and a hobbit named mary also known as dominic monaghan and this game it's be, it was it was plugged as one of the xbox games when xbox one was launching yeah lots of slow mode of a boat going through a um a bridge and you slowing time down and doing some stuff then mm. bolting out and then time continuing on and uh, I started playing it, and it seems like it's got an absolute... I'm not too far into it, um, but it seems like it's got a really solid game story behind it. You play um, sections of the game, and then it has an actual TV show where already you're playing with characters that look exactly like the actors anyway, because we were immediately going, that's the guy from Game of Thrones, you know, that's a, <laughs> that guy's a hobbit, you know, that sort of stuff. And then the game stops, and depending on the choices you've made, mm. it plays an episode, an actual TV episode... And you just sit there and watch it actually wow. play live action movie motion stuff going out. And then you get back to the game and away you go. The character mapping on that is really, really good. It's insane. It's really good. And I'm, I'm, I'm confident that as the game goes through, it's going to be a quality story as well. Um, hopefully they've uh, solved all the problems with it because it's been coming out since Xbox One came out. So they've really either polished everything up or it, they just couldn't wait any longer. Did it, you say it was, is it episodic? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like an episode thing. And they show you like this timeline 
and your and your ch- and the and the bits that you unlock uh, appear on the timeline and it shows this wavy line showing how you which ones you've connected and where you might have missed so i think they're hinting at there's a replayability there because you've oh, missed like bits but i think though the bits that you you hit uh have an effect on what part of the tv series you see yeah, right i think the the slowing down time aspect that that reminds me of i think high school <laughs> well, no, I was going <laughs> to say, uh, yeah, the, yeah, wedding day. No, keep going. You t- you tell a story. <laughs> I was going to say Max Payne three. Oh, see, so back to the wedding day. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, cool. Where uh, if you're part of the gunplay, you can slow the the, the yes. action down. Yes. Bullet to t- time. Bullet time. Bullet time. That's yeah. that's it. So that somewhat reminded me of that because I've only, I've never played um, Quantum Break, but no. I've watched playthroughs of the first you know okay of the prologue yeah and uh that's immediately what it reminded me of that that slowdown cam i know there are other things that have done it and there's a few fighters and things like that that have done it but um yeah but it looks yeah. really impressive and it looks it's like one of those money reasons. on the screen it's like quality actors quality acting good looking story yeah. and yeah it's it's another selling point for the xbox one for me so eventually when i do pick one up you're going to get a playstation I'll 4 probably get or go back to the, whatever nintendo's bringing out next yeah yeah you said you're going to go playstation 4 because i was i've committed myself uh, to getting no. a playstation 4 but i've heard uh, no man's sky is a bit broken so it looked i said that a while ago yeah. on the pod i said that looks crap that looks broken <laughs> i don't think that's going to work out i like the idea but nah it looks like the same planets but Wait, with different colors well hey talking about xbox playstation stuff <laughs> Who's this on the line? It's uh, Justin Edwards has, uh, has called in. Uh, we've sent in a report. He's like a, a foreign correspondent who lives a couple <laughs> of suburbs away. It's like a local correspondent. Um, yeah, he's all over E3, you know, the recently yeah. E3. Yep. And, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's typed up a bit of a report for us. So I'll remove the Vic Vapor drop. Um, uh, Justin uh, wrote in to say, uh, E3 was a scorcher this year with a rise in popularity of conventions like PAX, Tokyo Game Show and Gamescom in Europe. A lot of publishers are beginning to see cheaper and wider reaching avenues to release their lineups to the public. So this year saw the departure of EA, Battlefield, Star Wars, Battlefront, Mass Effect, those guys mm-hmm. from the E3 show floor. They instead opted to do their own pref- press conferences in the area days before the trade show. EA are not the only ones to do this. Uh, reports imply this was very evident on the floor. Areas of the show that were one shoulder to shoulder were wide open spaces. Uh, some press were even able to sit on the floor of the show and record a podcast with minimal issues. And um, yeah, they had had the reign of the floor. Uh, this has created a lot of speculation about E3's relevance going into the future, crammed with nerd festivals. But hey, it'll be fun to watch. Um, yeah. So what he's saying there is that because the big players are getting out their press releases beforehand... No, I think it's the opportunity so to go to, like you said, PAX, Tokyo Game Show and Gamescom. You know, there's these yeah. other avenues that they can promote their stuff out. They don't have to wait to E3 and boom, just yeah. do it all in one big hit. Um, so this is the exciting part of uh, Justin's um, email. Instead of running the whole gauntlet, I'll give you a personal top five. So what we've got here is Justin Edwards' E3 Top Tips. E3 Top Tips. Thanks, Matt. That was a good... All right, number five. Uh, he says, uh, keep your eyes open for these and go check out the trailers. 
Okay, so number five, he's got Zelda Breath of the Wind. Uh, jokes aside, links back in really different in a different way. Open world Zelda with deeper hooks in exploration and discovery will be launching with a brand new Nintendo in March. Ah, there you go, Matt. Ah, March portion to the um with them working to the game closer together. I believe from what I've seen, the the pilots and the mechs working closer together when they're independent. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they can. Yeah, because yeah, you can run around do some stuff and you go hey and call it like a dog and yeah. it comes save you and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Titanfall, honestly, that was the first um, multiplayer online game that I'd ever played, and it was a blast. So um, looking forward to that one. Number three on Justin Edwards' E3 top tips, God of War, Kray Kratos, Kratos. After destroying every Greek god ever wandered over to the... After destroying every Greek god ever, he's wandered over to the Netherlands, grew a beard, and popped out a son. <laughs> Watch out. They have changed the formula from the brawlers of old, and it looks astounding. Um, yeah, number t- I played a bit of God of War I watched, back in the day. I watched the, um, oh, the, E3 the trailer, trailer for that. that. Yeah, yeah. And it looks stunning. Yeah. Uh, and they've, I think they've really captured Kratos as his old, as his, uh, you know, wizening. Um, so you can see he's aged, he's wrinkly. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Very, very easy. And uh, his son is his wife of a thing. The graphics are getting up there just in time for VR to land, aren't they? It's going to be. I mean, I'm. I mean, loads of people like uh, what's it, Elon Musk and all that sort of people yeah. coming out and going, "No, nah, we've got to keep away from this. It's dangerous. No, no AI, no VR, all that sort of stuff." And it's like, <laughs> "No, nah, come on, man, come on. I just need it. Let's let's have all the fun and then find out why it's wrong and why it's bad." Well, yeah, there's plenty of people saying that it's not going to take off because uh, who? I mean, otherwise, we're all going to be spending our time looking at nothing other than the VR and not aware of our, our surroundings anymore. Any, any old bugger's going to come up and knock you off while you're playing your VR. That's why you have a lounge room and a door to close. And... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, other people are saying it. I'm waiting for my... Um, uh, Kate got a, a new phone recently and she's got the uh, Samsung uh, VR Wear by Redemption. Okay. So that's coming. Yeah. So uh, I'll give that so a go. So you plug your phone in so yeah, you, you can... The, yeah, the S7s. You can dial now. someone by moving your head around and looking, <laughs> looking at numbers. I'll take it. Expect a report when, uh, <laughs> right. when that arrives. Oh, look forward to I'm that, sorry, listener. the stuff that they took to PAX last year, the PlayStation VR and the, um, and yeah. the Oculus Rift. And it's, it's fun, but it's not going to change the world. Like, no. it's, it's too simple for that still. Yeah, it is. It's going to change the world, Jamie. Come on, get on board. <laughs> I think it'll stay. It'll be a craze, but it will not have the longevity. You think it's going to be like FaceTime and all that sort of stuff where it's where we think the future is yeah. going to go and then no one's going to do it. Yeah, that's well, it. I'm on board. Yeah. I'm on board. I'm sure Justin's <laughs> on board as well because Justin Edwards, foreign local correspondent, we sent him down into a shark cage right. with a VR headset on <laughs> at PAX. And he came back and we talked about it on the pod and sounded like old men talking about the invention of radio. It was brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) What's number two? Uh, Number two, oh, I've seen this one, yeah. Death Stranding. Oh, God, there's Japanese bits in this, I think. Death Stranding. Hideo Kojima of Metal Gear Solid fame got his mate Norm Reedus, you know, the guy from Walking Dead. Norman Reedus. Yeah, with the... um, with a crossbow, like yeah. a crossbow guy, uh, to do some weird things in a mocap booth and made a jaw-dropping eyebrows, eyebrow-raising teaser. Kojima is a god. I can't wait to see what, what's next. Uh, he did uh, Silent Hill, didn't he? Or did I just say that? I thought, I thought that, yeah. 
Maybe. No, maybe. Let's leave that as a maybe. I'll look that up on the internet later. Hey, it's got Daryl in it. So, it's got Daryl in it. And he's naked. <laughs> I think he gets his buttocks out for the trailer. So there you go. If that's, if that's what if makes that's your you thing. If that's your thing, get onto this trailer. It does look amazing. I think there's lots of dead crabs, a very grey beach. Daryl's naked. And I think there's some weird stuff hanging out of the sky. <laughs> but then there's no, no idea about what the game is. It's just like here's it's some typical w- Japanese thing. Yeah, it's like here's some weird stuff. Don't you want to play? And I guess we do. All right, number one. Number one. On Justin Edwards' E3 top tips is Horizon Zero Dawn. Third-person action-adventure where you play a post-apocalyptic cavewoman that hunts or is hunted by prehistorically inspired robot animals. Super impressive. Anything about that? I don't I've, know. I've seen that, that trailer. Yeah, yeah. Um, that looks really, really good. Um, Justin says it's super impressive. It will be good. It'll be worth checking out. Yeah, it, it, it's. I think it has that elements of Far Cry. Yeah, uh, Far Cry Far Primal, Cry Primal in, the, in that sort of setting. But then it throws it, you know, hundreds of thousands of years or whatever in the future. Yeah, with um, robot. I don't know if you could even call them dinosaurs, but um, certainly it's it's like Skynet gone mad, wiped everyone out completely, and nature's then gone and retaken the Earth. But all of these uh, all of these robots have created Terminator have animals generated some sort of. Uh, Cyborg robotic killer AI. bunnies. No, like a primitive AI, not like a super advanced yeah. intelligence. But a um, they've re- re- regressed back to a primal state themselves. Robotic so lambs. It's it looks it looks awesome. Yeah, the trailer I watched. I'm, I and, I'm and I, very... I saw a good deal of play time. I think I watched about 20, 20 25 minutes of it, and uh, it was really engaging. I you know I watched it the whole way through. Oh. Yeah. Well, there you go, listener. Go and uh, dial up those those trailers. What was that called again? Uh, it was called Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. And very, um, Justin's very much a guy who likes to get online with his mates yeah. and hunt in packs for newbies and kill them off. And none of these... <laughs> uh, he might, I think he's a bit more generous than that. But, um, yeah, none of these games seem to be that kind of game as well. So these are obviously impressive titles to have a look at. All right. You can find um, Justin on... Uh Twitch TV too. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Twitch. He's well, he's been. He's um, Mario. Yeah, he used to be yeah. doing the Mario stuff. I haven't caught up with that. We'll have to put it, find that, and put it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jamie. Have you got anything else we can geek? Um, I've been putting together and painting Warhammer Quest, which is pretty fantastic. Oh, yeah, I re-released cool. it recently, and it's uh, the game is very similar to the original, and the, the miniatures are just off the hook. They're amazing. Where are your photos? Where's the photographic uh, evidence? Once I've got more work done so that I feel less embarrassed, I'll put them up. <laughs> Starting to feel like Matt and I... have and the I... artistic talent of a depressed accountant, so, um, oh, yeah. you know. Starting <laughs> to feel like Matt and I doing all the heavy lifting on the unboxings. Just putting it out there. <laughs> you know? Well, like, you if, know. You, if you saw the Cthulhu Realms one, we worked a long time to do that. Yeah, that, that pun... Took a lot of lead in. No, no <laughs> expense spared. We had to download the green sleeves theme tune. That's it. Oh, did I say Cthulhu Realms? Um, no. We've got a whole podcast here on Cthulhu Realms. Should we do it? I, I think why, uh, maybe. Why not? Why the hell not? This is where the kids go, yay! <laughs>
Win Cthulhu Realms for commenting on the Facebook page for this show. That's episode 71 at facebook.com forward slash sevenland hand. We'll announce last month's winner of Dice City. Not as much fun to yell as monstrous. Monstrous! Monstrous! Uh, we'll announce that later in Neats and Twos. This month, there was a huge response. Uh, I think Todd Rowland got, got behind us, I think. Um, I imagine Good Games HQ had to use two random number generators or at least a D120. You hear that, Jamie? D120. Moving right along. <laughs> they, uh, so, and every month, Good Games are offering our listeners a special offer on the game in review. Uh, so this month, it's going to be Cthulhu Realms. And while stocks last, uh, you can all get 10% off Cthulhu Realms at every good game store in the world. In the world. All you have to do is hide your Innsmouth look. Don't go in there looking fishy. <laughs> Sail a ship into your good game store, as you would into Cthulhu, and state this month's password... How deep is... Oh, how, how deep is oh, your old one? Oh, I stuffed it. Oh, I can't believe that. How deep is your old one? Oh. Sounds dirty, doesn't it? <laughs> I didn't come up with that. Matt came I up with that. I was embarrassed to say it. That was the problem. Imagine the listeners. So they've got a, we've, we've decided that you can at least get 11% off at Hurstville if you go in and sing it. How I deep is it, your so you old well. one? <laughs> how deep, how deep is your old one? It still sounds dirty. All right. <laughs> For the next four weeks... Be brave. And, and say, how deep is your old one? And that's while stocks last. Okay, let's get on with the show. Cthulhu Realms. Cthulhu Realms, the game, the card game. Don't say it alone in the dark. Oh, why would I have said that? Well, you know, Cthulhu. Alone in the dark is a completely different game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cthulhu Realms. Cthulhu Realms. <laughs> hey, here we are. Here we all are about to talk about Cthulhu Realms. Gather around. The, uh, the open fire is burning. The stars are right. Yeah, the stars are right. So what have we got here, Matt? We've, uh, what's the general objective of this game? Well. Oh, hang on a minute. You were going to give that to Jamie. I was going to give that to Jamie. Sorry, Jamie's still in your thunder there. You tell us. Oh, my us. God, I'm on the spot now. You tell um, us. <laughs> okay, well, the concept in Cthulhu Realms is that every player has some sanity. You start with 50, and you've got to drive all your opponents insane. Get their sanity down to zero and not lose all of yours. Yeah, so pretty much in line with um, other Lovecraftian-type games that we've played, the sanity is your life total. Um, you can... Yeah, well, we'll talk about it later. You can boost that sanity. You can get it back. You can go up and beyond 55. You yes. certainly can. Um, so it's mostly cards. You've seen us do the... Um, it, we, 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 we sort of uh, sold it short on the unboxing for comedy <laughs> reasons. Yeah. But, um, it wasn't the, just a deck of cards. No, it wasn't just a deck of cards. What, what, do we, what do we get in front of us, Matt? So you get a big deck of cards and you get some... Uh, Tracking sheets for you, for tracking your sanity, which you didn't get. You know, there's going to be lots of references to Star Realms. There was none of that yeah. in Star Realms. You just got the cards. That's right. Well, what you got was in Star Realms was oh, uh, a yeah. card representation. The so, chit, wasn't it? You got chits to. No, there were count no down. chits, but there were cards. Okay. That you, uh, you various denominations. So as you yeah. as your life total went down, you um, then. Just turn you the, just turn the turn. cards around, you know, traded them in for different cards. Mm. But in this case, they've put everything in front of you and given you a little sanity marker. Starts at fifty, which is clearly marked there yeah. on the on the the cheat on the cheat sheet tracking sheet. Sorry, yeah, and, good. and it's got a player guide on down the side. 
Yeah. That's nice. That's it. So just some of the basic actions are along there. Uh, the only other thing, there's it fits up to uh, four players. Yeah. So there's a tracking sheet for each player, and there's also a one sanity token, and then there's a 55-plus sanity token. So once you, if you go above 55, then you pull out that, the secondary token that's in your colour, and uh, you keep tracking it that way. So, and, and when you set it out on the deck on the table, you've got uh, your, your big stack of uh, cards with all of your different um, actual. Yep. Uh, I know what you would call them. Well, in Sauron's it was called the trade rope. Yeah, what is it in this? It's called something a lot more plain than that. It's, it's just the available cards. Available but, cards. Yeah. Stack. Yeah. Yeah. And well, everybody. What's interesting about this though is the way that you lay them out when you've got multiple players, rather yes. than having. One row, uh, in, as in a normal deck building game, you've actually got one row between every pair of players. That is really cool. And so it's like a, a star shaped thing sitting out on the table. Yeah, that's, that's really, I like that idea. They really, uh, I think they're fed into the theme very well. So you look at Star Realms, it's got that space battle theme, building a, a, a starship's empire. Uh, and the theme, the theme fits very nicely. The mechanics of that game fit. Yeah. And, so, but, but and they've does, done the same with Cthulhu Realms. Yeah. Uh, the storyline fits. The, the fact that you're losing sanity makes sense. Um, the, the fact you start with followers and goons yeah. and perhaps an initiate or two, and that's your, that's your gang, that's your starting hand, and you build up and attract yeah. uh, you know, the, the bigger gods and the, all, all of the like, known names and locations from uh, Lovecraft stories. Well, yeah. the other thing that's kind of important and, and ties back into the narrative of the game is that, the cards are divided into three different types, one for each the, one for each faction in the game, and uh, each faction represents a particular old one. So the green cards are Cthulhu cards, and they have all the deep ones and and the worshippers of Cthulhu. Yep. Purple ones are Yog Sothoth cards and have all the weirdo gate movement transference miskatonic stuff. That's yeah. right. And the yellow ones are all the Hastur cards and have all the king in yellow go nuts when you read this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I hadn't really noticed yeah. the, the themes across those cards like that. That's really cool. Yeah. So, um, and where Naralathotep and uh, Dagon, they're all represented in those colors. Dagon's green. Um, so, so well, essentially anything that originates from the sea are your green Cthulhu based card. So Dagon. No, uh, it's a green card. Oh, is he? Oh. Yeah. oh, hang on. No, I'm confusing that. So there are, th- there are f- location cards, there are artifact cards, there yeah. are uh, characters. No, what are they called? Characters or, a- or agents? Entities. Okay. Entities, sorry. Yeah. And then there are. Uh, well, the, the, location, the locations can have uh, like a protection against uh, the player who's sort of hiding behind it. They're called sanctuaries. And then you also get locations that um, attract the attack to themselves first above all other locations. They're called a nexus. So there's something like a, a protection from all the other locations. So, so you can set up defensive shields. That was something that, that immediately is different from Star Realms. That well, you had your apart. bases, didn't you? But, yeah. And um, you had your, you got to attack these first. But, um, yeah, it's all to just put it in context of the theme yeah. of the game. There were very there are some quite neat differences between this and the Star Realms. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's a bit more depth in the game at times. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if we're, we're jumping ahead a bit, but... Um, what, I'm, what I was thinking about, I, I really like how the, the abjure mechanic um, is rewarded. So in, in, in any sort of um, deck builder, it's really good to thin out the, the poorer 
strength cards as you go, but there's not you're not necessarily rewarded for it in other games apart from the fact that you may lose because you're not drawing your strongest cards. Mm. In this game, you can abjure, which is, I think is the opposite of conjure. You can get rid of um, a card, and um, this enables you to thin out your deck and then just draw the more powerful cards. And if you've abjured a card, there's other cards will be tr- which will have an effect that's triggered by that. So mm. you get all these rewards for it. You actually get rewarded for playing a, a deck builder and thinner uh, well, and more than that, your options for abjuring stuff aren't limited to just cards in your deck. You can also abjure from the main row. Yeah. Because there are then cards that can get you what you abjure that turn as well. Yeah, which is just fantastic. You get a combo like that going, and you can have these, um, you can have a, a turn that just unfolds into quite a lengthy process. The main, uh, the main actions, which are, as we said, are located on the tracking sheet for as yeah. a reference. Uh, so draw and discard. So you can again, you can choose any player. You can choose yourself. You can choose your opponent. And these are usually plus one, minus one, or plus two, minus two, stuff like that. Uh, Abjure a card, which we've just discussed, removing a card from the game permanently, uh, as with a maximum cost of six. But permanent doesn't necessarily mean it's gone forever, because there is another uh, action which is acquire a card which has the abjure symbol but with like a little tornado sitting at the bottom of it which means that any card that was abjured this turn has a possibility of coming back to your deck so yeah just because you've you've abjured it it might be that you've done that to get an effect and then you've uh, acquired a card with that other but action it, symbol and it's to only get limited, it back again. Yeah, and it's only limited that the card has to be valued six or less. Yeah, that's in, right. Because so you can't uh, you can't abjure the the top card and then grab it back early for for on cheap. You know. No, that's right. No, no, it doesn't give you any effect like that. It just means if you play, if you've abjured a card, you're able to get it back. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> that uh, conjuring power. So that's your currency of the game. Yeah. So when you look, each of the cards has a value up in the top right-hand corner, uh, and that's how much conjuring power you have to spend to acquire, acquire that card. card. And uh, you can purchase as many cards as you have, uh, as you, as high as your conjuring ability is. So if in the the other in the row, the uh, other cards row, you spy that there's a number of three power, like the Yithian, for example. Uh, let's say there's two of them there and you'd like to have them both and you've got a conjuring ability of six, you can pick up both. Or you can spend five on a, on a five power card and uh, just not use the other one. It's up to you. Um, Destroy location. Which is a, a new, which is a special, a special ability to this game. I didn't see it in, specifically didn't see that in Star Realms. Uh, there were cards that allow you to remove destroyed bases. However, this one um, means you can destroy any location in play. On your side, your opponent's side, uh, destroy it from the middle. You're able to just... Can you destroy it from the trade row? I'm pretty sure. Oh, I don't know about that. You're talking about abjuring? No, no we're talking destroying about destroy location. location. The destroy location symbol. Oh, I think they've got to be in play, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll check. But... Um, Choose a location in play belonging to any, any player. That location is destroyed and is placed in its owner's discard pile. My mistake, yeah. Mm. So the other action from there is the gain and lose sanity, which is uh, the way you, you damage your opponent. So yeah. the only way to win is to reduce your opponent to, to zero sanity. Yeah. But um, 
So yeah, so you get your high power cards and start knocking chunks out of your other the other player. There's um uh the the get there's the, when you were talking about gain and lose sanity, like I mentioned before, there's yeah. certain things like the medical student. Uh, yeah. and there's another medical type guy, medical staff. Yeah. And you can get, uh, it's like life gain. You can actually yeah. increase, increase your sanity. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I really, Jamie, you said it earlier, there's a lot of depth of strategy and I couldn't agree more there. I found myself in the times that I've played with David and the times that I've played, um, the app myself, uh, I've tried different styles of play, uh, leaning towards, um, sanity gain uh, as opposed to sanity loss or uh, abjuration or... Um... We tended to do better if we abjured, if we really focused on abjuring quite heavily. I mean, I only yeah. fell a cropper once where I was, I was, you know, I had all these cards that were going to allow me to draw more cards and I had no cards left because I'd yeah. abjured them all and I had, you know, about six or seven cards there. Yeah, um, that happens to me quite often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you find the same, Jamie, that you know, like sort of aggressive, aggressive abjuring during the game really helps? Aggressive abjuring and the card draw engine. Um, if you start to buy into the yellow cards, which yeah. all have sort of, if you've played another yellow card, draw a card or draw two cards yeah. and then discard one uh, or even make your opponent discard a card. You know, that, that card advantage is pretty huge. Absolutely. And the, uh, we were talking before about, I think the, the best pro tip we had was that Matt and I were having a bit of a meltdown <laughs> in, we'd get all the cards in our hands and we'd try to play all the cards at once and then say what was going to happen and everything was triggering everything else and we were just like losing our minds. And uh, we got Jamie on the line. You won't all be able to do this. <laughs> but, uh, and Jamie, no, you can, just call up Jamie's Jamie. pro tip, play two cards at a time. And that solved everything because from then on, yep. we're like, these two cards are going to trigger each other, so I'm going to play these. Let's do that effect. Let's resolve that. And then you move through it in that kind of fashion. Oh, makes the game from just this mind-melting, really difficult thing to just yeah. really pleasurable and enjoyable. And you can start getting into all that strategy that we're talking it about. It simplified the process of playing your cards. Yeah. yeah. One, of, one of the real problems in general with card games to add a lot of depth and strategy you usually need to add more icons and simplify some of the abilities so that you've got more text of te- text space available to explain what you're doing. Yeah. This game has avoided text space entirely and just gone, we're doing, turning everything into an icon. Yeah. So that can be pretty brain-burny for your first couple of games, certainly, while you're still learning the icons. Um, another famous example of that is Race for the Galaxy, which is a genius, ab- absolutely amazing game. Yeah. But... So icon heavy that some people just can't play it. <laughs> How many sort yeah. of icons does that have in it? I haven't played it. Uh, Is it tens? So, well, no. Have well, you played Puerto well- Rico? Oh, let's not get into what goes. All, all of the turns, I like everything is, is icon driven. So all the cards have a card type and the um, you choose the cards actions. have different powers for different phases. Yeah. Oh, oh, I really okay. think we should do that one turn. time. We should. I think we should do Race for the Galaxy one time because I, I like you, Jamie. I really like that game. I love Race for the Galaxy. So, it's um, great. Maybe I'll uh, I'll bring my copy over for you, uh, David, and we can play it. But getting back to Cthulhu Realms, my pro tip is have something that you can keep start to keep track of your sanity and your conjuring power, um, because depending on your the way you chain your cards together. These numbers can get quite high. I remember at one point I did, I think it was 20-odd, 20, 20 or more yeah. uh, sanity damage to you. 
but it didn't all come from one source. It came from chaining cards. And so I had to keep track of that in my head rather than, you know, I think it would make it a lot easier if there was some sort of a tracking board. I think, no, I think it got easier. And I think you've got to just trust the person you're playing against. This is the game. It's not <laughs> going to work if someone gets cheaty on you, you know. If, so as you're working through all those things and like using Jamie's pro tip of resolving two cards at a time or whatever, you'd say, okay, I'm doing three damage here and I'm doing four damage here. And if you just keep a tally on that and if the other person keeps reasonably organized, I, found, I find that that kind of works. Mm. Um, what gets hard is if you don't do that and you go, did you take that four off? Did, did, oh, haven't I done that yet? And you just got to work through it um, in a, with a bit of process, I think. And well, trust, this and trust is also why the app is beautiful because it does track that stuff for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I haven't played the app, but this must work um, beautifully on an app, right? Yeah. yeah. We'll get into that during the expansion section. Oh, why don't we, why don't we talk about the expansion now? Let's talk about the expansion. So uh, pretty much... Um, as soon as I saw that it was available on Android, I picked it up. It's now since become available on iOS. Um, Ooh. And it's free, which is great. Yeah. However, that's only the basic level of the game. If you want to, then it offers all the functions of... The um, card game? The card game. Yeah. Uh, but then there's pass and play. There's campaign mode, which Star Realms had. There's uh, online play. Uh, and there's campaign mode, so you can play a little sort of a narrative which starts yeah. off with uh, one uh, mission, if you like, and then once you successfully complete that, it pass, opens up, unlocks the next mission, and so on and so forth. Uh, I, I really liked it. it. Like you said, it, it keeps track of those um, little administrative things, like your, yeah. how much power you're accumulating, how much sanity damage you're accumulating. Did you go the campaign mode? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, and uh, it starts off very easy. Yeah, um, it, it's kind of funny. If we're playing the physical game, yeah, uh, you know, you you're actively using abjure, uh, you're thinning out your deck. However, at this very early level, I guess it's like a walks you into it. Uh, your opponent, you can actually see their deck getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, so a massive pile of cards, which you know, from that point, there's no way you're not you're gonna fail. Um, just because I, I'd gotten rid of everything and I was cycling through my cards so quickly, I was ending up with, uh, it was literally play cards, uh, draw two or three, shuffle them up, then draw half of the cards I had before yeah, back into my same, hand same ones and, again, and yeah. rinse and repeat, which makes a very effective mechanism. It's like the, um, it's the quickest way. To, I think abjuration is the quickest way to get access to all the the big damage and the chaining of cards, especially if you've chosen cards where that give you the advantage by playing the same type, so the, the greens or the, the yeah, yellows. Yeah. Um, so if you want to unlock pass and play or play online or, or um, the harder levels of AI, it actually costs you then. So, you know, you make a choice. You can play it for free and it's perfectly fine, but if you are missing out on that play against an opponent, opponent then uh, you know, spring for the full price of the app. It says you have to be nine, nine or above as well, Matt. Uh, I Any problems always with that in your fill house? in nine. Yeah. I always fill, fill out that I'm older than nine. You, you're confident about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, th- another thing that they've added on to this version of the Cthulhu Realms on the iOS is 
you can actually see there's a counter which tells you how many people are online playing it at the same time, which is very useful because I found there wasn't that for Star Realms. So, you know, if you're sitting for a long time waiting for someone to pick up a game, yeah. it could be that there's no one there playing, whereas at least you've got an idea of how many people are playing. So yeah, Star Realms, I often end up playing the same person, the same two or three people over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Well, that's okay. I mean, if you're just down at the bus stop or whatever, waiting for whatever, and you can grab a few games, you don't care playing to get the same person over oh, and over. Oh, yeah, it's great. great. And you know what? Yeah, and you can pick it up, play a couple of hands, then say you've got to move on because uh, the car in front of you has moved on in the drive-through lane. <laughs> then <laughs> or they're beating can, you too many it. times. Yeah. Then you can uh, just turn it off and then come back to it, and it picks up in the same place you were in. So it's got that inbuilt save function. Obviously, not against live players. Obviously, not a game of life yeah. players. Yeah, you're right. All right. So, in summary, um, where would you? Who would you play this with? Anyone who's a, who is familiar with deck builders um, would obviously they're straight in. Yeah, they're straight in. A big yeah. tick in the box. I think the we didn't dra- we didn't drag in our player three and four while we no, played this. No. We didn't we didn't play the multiplayer game because we thought it was going to be too much <laughs> because they're a game <laughs> I've, game I've played multiplayer. Yeah, how did that go? It's actually probably better in some ways as yeah. a multiplayer game because you get to have a little bit of politicking and hey, that guy's getting too strong. Let's let's get nah, him. Yeah, <laughs> um, which makes it a bit more interesting. Yeah, um, I think the Cthulhu theme is a really it's cute. It works well. You probably want to play with people who have some familiarity with Cthulhu. Or well, might that's come it. across a little bit too odd. Yeah. Yes. Perhaps. Well, we were able to mess around with the names and things like that, and we recognized the Necronomicon and Naralathotep and uh, Shoggoth and things like that. So we, we you know, we're oh, we familiar with the content, yes. which made it you know more enjoyable because we could identify with the characters because we've played the, the RPG of Call of Cthulhu. We've played... Arkham, um, things like that. So yeah, and the art, the art is very much on the light side of all that too. Yeah, it's, definitely, it's, yeah. it's very cartoony. The tentacle monsters are not horrible tentacle monsters. <laughs> no, <kind of laughs> no, it's really good fun. It's 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 good fun, and it's still got that same sort of joy that you get from playing Star Arms. I think it feels like it. I th- I've I got the sense it felt like it was a more polished version of Star Arms. It's it's always going to draw that comparison, I think. Um, and and uh, you know, White Wizard doesn't shy away from it either. They're I mean, I've dialed up the, the app store, Cthulhu Realms, uh, and the first line on the description is, Star Realms has gone insane. So they're not, they're not shying away <laughs> from the idea that... Uh, I mean, it's in the title, isn't it? Cthulhu Realms. Yeah. Um, it's just a, 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 a... I'd like to think of it as a little bit more, more polished version of Star Realms. Like, there was definitely like that abjure element. Yep. I really enjoyed that, how they encouraged you to do it. It was very clever. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. This is a game I would, I would easily... Uh, have in my back pocket to play um, if I'm going somewhere, you know, for the weekend. Take along because it's a very light, yeah, light game. Doesn't take itself seriously and fits perfectly in with those other type of games. Uh, well, like if you're going to pack Ro- this, Todd Rollins bag of actually, fun. here's a question. Yeah, would if you had to choose between Star Realms and and Cthulhu Realms, which would you take? Which would you leave behind? I I think I'd take Cthulhu Realms because it's a, um, I don't know what probably because I've just played it, so I'm a little bit more familiar with it. Um, and yeah, that, and that more polished aspect, I felt like it was a little bit more polished. Although 
uh, I loved Star Realms. There was, I forgot which card it was that we, we talked about when we did the game review, just pops out as totally overpowered compared to the rest of them. Uh, but that can be fun because if you get it, then you're, you know, you're really excited about yourself. But um, I think we didn't get the sense that there was any sort of over-the-top cards in Cthulhu Realms, no, did we? No, I think, um, I think we found that it was generally quite balanced. What about yeah. you, Jamie? Which one would you take? I think it depends who I was going with. If it was with family, I'd probably take Star Realms because it's. I think it's a bit more accessible. It is very more, yeah. Uh, and I think if I was going with gamers, then I would take Cthulhu Realms because there's a whole lot more replay and depth in it. That's a much more balanced answer there, Jamie. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, I am citing the more balanced game, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Me, I, I think I'd take Star Realms. Um, just purely... Nostalgia. Yeah, and it's a smaller box. <laughs> um, but yeah. this this one's this one's fun to sleeve up and get like we've got a purple deck box we've got the green cards uh, sleeves yeah. it's like it looks it looks fun it looks cool it's, it is it's, a fun little game i'm talking you see it's me coming through here this is um you know i'm going on how it looks I'm out oh, like the visual art. stuff david's yeah. in love with it yeah <laughs> you I've can s- actually leave if you want to make it smaller just leave the tracking uh, the tracking sheet behind. Grab a couple of D10s and uh, track it. Or that even way. smaller, just download it on your phone. And take yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, now we've bumbled through all of that. We've got the um, actual. Well, the 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 guy who designed Star Realms and that Cthulhu Realms is based upon. Um, he's uh, waiting for us in America, so we might as well have a bit of a blob here, play some tunes, and uh, and get in touch with him. Hey, eh? let's do it. All right. Obviously, it didn't go that way, but had you been a sportscaster, you've got a great voice for it. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually uh, graduated from the Syracuse uh, Newhouse School of Communications where, like, Bob Costas and Marv Albert and a bunch of other people went thinking I was going to be the next Marv Albert or Bob Costas, but, you know, obviously things went in a different way. <laughs> So about 2005, was Magic, did you have a feel for how big Magic was then? Because I didn't, I, I didn't come across Magic until uh, later years. Um, was, you know, because it was, what, it came out in 95, was it, started then? I mean, I definitely had been playing Magic for a while at that point. It's obviously even bigger now than it was then, but it certainly was a big deal to me personally. Uh, mm. Way too much of my ego and self-esteem revolved around the fact that I was a really good Magic player, and uh, I, I hadn't managed to achieve perspective on actual real life at that point. So to me, like Magic was the, was the thing, the biggest thing there was. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely even bigger now, uh, just less for me personally. It's beautiful how that, that happened for you, though. You, like, you hear... Um, like I, 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 makes me think of rock stars i've listened to documentaries about you know where they've just got into bands and played and just found their way into doing this thing as a career uh mm-hmm. and sort of said well i uh, now i couldn't see myself doing anything else and it seems to have, that um magic has took you a little bit by surprise and, and led you down a particular life path didn't yeah, you? yeah i mean when i first started playing magic it i just liked games and was this was suggested to me as a cool game by a bunch of my friends, and I tried and really liked it. And it was just, you know, at first it was just one of many games I was playing, and then it became a hobby, and then an obsession. And you know, it took a long time before it became anything resembling a vocation, and I, I never expected it to. But then again, Magic has evolved very differently than almost any other game. Uh, 
it, it's definitely become more of a, a culture. And, and like, there's so many people who make their living from just some aspect of magic, like, you know, which is hard to imagine with most other games. So from, you mean from artists to, um, the card designers, um, or people who sell retailers. Uh, cards, uh, you know, on the secondary market yeah. or you know, what, ha- what have you. Yeah. yeah. Fabulous. You know, cause when you, when you Google Darwin castle these days, Google spits back at you a lot of images and usually you're holding some uh, magic cards. Also, what's uh, rather frightening is you've got a very serious gaming face, which is very intimidating. Has <laughs> as, as the gaming face eased off in recent years? Are you more approachable these days? Um, well, uh, I, I try not to be too approachable because then I talk to too many people. Um, but uh, no, I, I think uh, part of it is a lot of those pictures were taken at Pro Tours and uh, my business partner at White Wizard Games, Rob Darty, who's also a Magic Hall of Famer, likes to say that I'm a very different person when I'm playing a high-level Magic tournament. Like, when yeah. he and I are testing, he says he pretty much knows what cards I have in my hand at all times, and that it's very easy to read me, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but that when I'm in a high-level tournament, you know, I sort of become a different person, and I act very differently, and... Among other things, I think when I first started playing Magic competitively, I intentionally cultivated a certain demeanor uh, to try and, you know, perhaps gain some sort of mental advantage or whatever. And I was so serious about it that it just is kind of who I am now when I'm playing uh, a game at that high level. Like, certainly, you know, if you meet me under less competitive circumstances, it's not the same. And, and I think I've lightened up a little bit at Pro Tours <laughs> in recent years, in part because magic's less of my core identity now. But, but yeah, like, if you're going to take pictures of me at a Pro Tour, I'm not surprised that that's the impression you get from them. But that's certainly not all of who I am, uh, no. but it's certainly... It was it was a question in jest, but I'm I'm looking forward to Darwin Castle's uh, happy days years uh, forthcoming. You know, the, <laughs> well, actually, we're there. Yeah. Uh, I'm super excited with the success of my company and our products. Like, I love the way people react to Star Realms and to Epic and to Hero Realms, and I, I just think that uh, this has really been an exciting time for me. It, it's I'm. In the middle of my life, but I think only at the start of my career, and I'm just really happy how things are going. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, uh, you, you, I think you were born a couple of months ahead of me, so I'm uh, aiming to catch up on you using that two or three months as a buffer. Uh. All right, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Darwin, Matt here. From, following on from your, you know, you're now designing uh, games or working towards designing card games if you could go back and look at avalanche rider again mm-hmm. uh what would you do differently in this current date in 2016 what would you do differently to that card well so uh i don't know how much you know about the design process for that specific card but uh when i initially designed it it was different than it ended up because uh, among the things when i initially designed it there was no such mechanic as Echo. Like, Echo just didn't exist. So it's not like I invented that mechanic. So the card I designed didn't have Echo. Um, I actually modeled it after one of my favorite cards uh, at the time, uh, Necrotal. And I decided, well, I really like Necrotal, but I also really like red, so why don't I make a red Necrotal? So 
Nice. Uh, much like Neckertal, it was a 2-1. Um, it had two specific in the casting class, just like Neckertal, so it was two red and two. Uh, and I figured that while First Strike was good for black, Haste would be good for red, and that while Destroying a Creature was good for black, uh, Destroying a Land would be good for red. And it was just a 2-1 Haste, uh, Destroy a Land when it comes into play, uh, for two red and two when I first designed it, it, you know, pretty much exactly mirroring black, but I mean, uh, Necrotal, but in red. Uh, and then, uh, they came, the design team came back to me and said, Hey, we're introducing this, you know, mechanic called Echo. So, um, we want to give it Echo, but that means we need to make it a little bit better because Echo they viewed uh, almost strictly as a drawback. Yeah. So they, instead of being a two one, they made it a two two. Instead of it being, Two red and two, they made it one red and three to give it, you know, sl- make it slightly better. Um, I- I'm really happy with how it turned out. Like, I found Echo to be a very interesting mechanic. Like, uh, my suspicion is overall it would have been more powerful had they gone with my original design. However, by making it one red, I think it showed up in a lot more decks, which was exciting for me because every time someone made top eight of a major tournament with an avalanche rider in their deck i thought it was really cool and it ended up in a wide variety of decks from like mono red aggressive decks where it was the top of the curve to being in like recurse survival decks and there, there was you know wildfire decks just a wild uh, you know wider variety than if it had just been double red i think and and i i really uh made it more meaningful to me the number of people who played it um of obviously course. if it had been more powerful, it probably would have been played even more. But, you know, I don't necessarily want the card to have a reputation as being overpowered. And I, I think it was about right par level. I don't think there are too many people who are like, oh, this is weak and unplayable. But I don't think there are too many people who are like, wow, this is totally broken. They have to get rid of it either. Like, it, it felt about right to me. And that's satisfying to me as a Magic player, but also satisfying to me as a designer. I, I, I'm, I'm looking for sort of the sweet spot power level-wise. I mean... Yeah. Uh, and if anything, I want to err on the side of being a little powerful, and so did Wizards of the Coast, because they want their invitational cards to be played in tournaments. Yeah, that, that satisfaction in the, from designing that card uh, obviously must have sparked you off into that game designer um, life, you know, life career move. Sure. Um, did, did, did you have to fight tooth and nail to become a game designer from that point, or did, uh, with, were opportunities thrust upon you? you know, how, how, did, how did things develop from that point in time, moving on from the MTG years? Well, um, I didn't immediately, it didn't immediately occur to me to be a game designer at that point. Um, I think in the early days of Magic, uh, when I was also making a splash in the Pro Tour, there could have been an opportunity for me at Wizards of the Coast, but at the time, that was the farthest thing from my mind because the idea of not being allowed to play in the Pro Tour was too horrifying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it didn't really occur. And I, I sort of backburnered that idea that, oh, Maybe someday, if I don't know, I was tired of playing the Pro Tour, which I couldn't imagine at the time, uh, I would pursue something like that. But yeah, working at the, the opportunity to get the contract job at Upper Deck sort of fell into my lap. But after that, um, I was able to transition to my next job pretty easily uh, because uh, my best friend Rob Darty had uh, started a game company in Massachusetts. And uh, I had already designed some games for them 
the idea of them being able to work for their company, that, that was a good fit. Uh, but more recently, um, I had a period of time where I was unemployed, and I knew at that point that I wanted to be a full-time uh, game designer developer, so I started bringing my resume around to different companies and was really struggling to, uh, I mean, I could get interviews, uh, but I was struggling to actually get a position that I wanted. Hmm. And one of the things I did was I said, well, look, maybe they need more evidence of my ability as a game designer. So I'll design a game and I'll make a prototype and I'll bring it with me when I go to these interviews. So I designed a game which, uh, would later become star realms and I made a prototype of it. And I brought it with me uh, when I took basically a tour of the United States West Coast from uh, Seattle to San Diego, uh, dropping in on other game, different game companies and stuff. And uh, at a lot of, I got a lot of positive responses from people about my prototype to the point where uh, I was discussing with Rob, and Rob was like, you know, this is a really good game. Like, you don't have any amazing uh, job offers. I'm like, why don't we make our own company and why don't we make the game? Like it's a really good game. And, uh, that's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Uh, I look back at the jobs I almost got and I'm kind of glad I didn't get them because, uh, things have worked out really well with Star Realms and with White Wizard games. Yeah, for sure. I was, I was just wondering as you were telling a story about that contract work that you got at the upper deck. Um, yeah, was we you'd have been reasonably reasonably young then? You, did you just take that upon with the confidence of youth? Like, yeah, I'll just knock this over, not a problem. Or was it quite daunting to to jump in there? Um, well, at the time before that job, I had actually been uh, managing a game store, uh, Yorm of Games, that was owned by my friend Rob, yeah. and. Uh, you know, if it were up to Rob, I would have kept managing the store for him because he was happy with me there, and he didn't really excited about the idea of his best friend moving to California. <laughs> but uh, I had helped uh, my friend Danny Mandel get a job at Upper Deck, and I, you know, liked the idea of being able to work with him. And you know, he said there was an opportunity for a contracting position, and. Uh, you know, Rob was supportive about it. Like, I, I helped him find a replacement for me. And I, I just felt that I didn't want to spend my entire life in retail. Like, you know, it had been a good opportunity for me for a few years. But, like, you know, it's not like there was a regional manager position for Rob's one store. Yeah. And that's not even what I wanted. Like, you know, let, let's say I could have been regional manager for some other retail chain. Like, that's not how I envisioned my life going. I didn't find that particular career fulfilling enough. Like as a job, it was fine, but not as a career. And I felt that sure, this contract position in California might not work out, but like it was an opportunity I I couldn't pass up because it was something that I was actually excited about doing. And that could actually lead to an exciting career. Nothing else I'd done up to that point was like that. And, and frankly, I, I felt the risk was a little bit low. I didn't have a family. Um, it's not like I was making a ton of money at my job. I threw basically all my possessions into one car load and drove all the way from the East coast to the West coast. And like, if I couldn't fit it into my car, it was either being sold or given away or thrown away. 
Yeah. And, you know, I figure if it doesn't work out, I'll throw it in my car and I'll come Try back. And back. I'll, I'll start <laughs> like, uh, you know, I figure worst case scenario, I could find another retail job. Like it wasn't like I, I left some amazing career opportunity behind to, to do it. Um, and uh, it, it turned out to be a very good decision. And, and short term, even uh, it was good because it was the most fun I've had at the job. And they actually paid for me to stay at a long-term hotel while I was working for them. So I wasn't paying any rent or utilities or anything. So I was actually able to save some money in the six months I worked there and, yeah. and while having fun. So like, yeah. I, I look back as six of the best months of my life. Yeah, it sounds like it. Darwin, you're no stranger to Kickstarter. Um, mm-hmm. Battle for Hill 218 and uh, Battle for Sector 219 and your Battlegrounds game, they all came through Kickstarter. What, what I noticed interesting there was that your name didn't appear on the uh, as the designer or the, the person that bought Kickstarter to fruition, but you were the designer of those games. Um, what did you learn from those experiences that you've taken um, with you into uh, your recent designs? Right. So um, I, when I designed the Battle for Hill 218, uh, that was actually one of the first games I ever designed that ended up being published. Yeah. And uh, it was just one of these things where I had some friends who want some you know, quick and easy card games to publish and... They didn't have a lot of money, and they didn't have a lot of cool games of their own yet. And I had a cool idea, and I was willing to sell it to them for a small amount of money just because I really wanted it to be published. So everyone was happy with it. Yeah. And at the point where they did, uh, so Your Move Games Incorporated did a Kickstarter for Hill 218 and Sector 219. At that point. Uh, I already uh, was part owner of my own game company, White Wizard Games, and so that was, uh, I wasn't involved in that Kickstarter per se. Like, you know, I knew about the Kickstarter, and uh, I was going to, if it did well enough, uh, because I designed Sector 219, I was going to receive some remuneration for it. Uh, But I didn't, I played a very little role in the setup of the Kickstarter, and et cetera, et cetera. because that wasn't my company, um, and I, you know, wasn't. I don't have a stake in that company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it's much better when you make a game for yourself and for your own company because it's much more rewarding financially, obviously. Um, but I, I, I will always be grateful to Yormo Games Incorporated for publishing, you know, games of mine. And frankly, for giving me a job as a developer, like uh, I helped a lot with their game uh, Battleground Fantasy Warfare. I did a lot of set designs for them and I learned a lot. Like um, I find that um, I've gotten better at my craft over the years. Uh, One of the mistakes I always used to make about people was I would get to know someone and decide, okay, this is who that person is, forgetting that people evolve and change often for the better and uh, I, I think that's true with my career is that uh, as my uh, as I work at it more, I get better at it. And I, I think uh, as I release more games, uh, they're better than the games I made before, usually because I'm getting better at my craft and so is my company. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, like, uh, I think part of it is just experience. So, like, 
uh, White Wizard Games has had some very successful Kickstarters. We're actually doing a Kickstarter right now for a new game called Hero Realms that we're doing right now. We've already more than doubled our goal, but uh, we uh, have plenty of stretch goals left if anyone wants to yeah, <laughs> join <yeah>. our Kickstarter. <laughs> well, we're going to talk uh, about but, that a bit later on as well. Right, okay. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I think that I happen to be very fortunate to be partnered with Rob because while I'm, uh, I consider myself to be pretty good at designing games and developing games, and I'm actually doing pretty good as an art director, I, I don't know that I would have had the business savvy to make our company this successful, but fortunately Rob has that business savvy. So I think part of having a successful company and having a successful Kickstarter is just having a strong team where you've got all the different elements you need represented in that team. Yeah, fair so, Darwin, your designs, you I often hear these days people talking about the iOS version versus the physical version and which one's better. Do you mm-hmm. design with iOS versions in mind these days? I do. Um, that was definitely a change. When I designed Star Realms, that was the first game I designed where I'm like, okay, I am designing with digital in mind. I, I was really inspired by what a good digital game Ascension uh, made. Uh, I found I played way more digital Ascension than I ever did physical Ascension. And while I wanted to make a game where I could make a physical prototype that played well physically, it was very important to me that I designed a game that would translate well digitally. In case I ended up having the opportunity to make it a digital game, among other things, I feel that the direction the game industry is going uh, Digital is a very important aspect of gaming now. Like, and if you're going to maximize the um, amount of people who play your game, if you want to maximize the amount of money you can make off a game, and if you just want to reach a game's full potential, you need to keep digital in mind. I, I just think that's part of the world and the industry now. And um, yes, you can make physical-only games, but I, I think you're really limiting yourself if you do. Uh, yeah, so when, when you're starting off that um, creative process, do you like to start off with a completely fresh idea for a, a game? You know, so like that, what, what comes first, the lyrics or the melody? Is it the mechanics or the theme? What, what, what do you, is there a preference for that? Right. Um, well, I, I find that uh, these things, for me, in my mind, sort of dovetail pretty nicely because uh, if I'm thinking of some mechanics that I think are cool... I'll ask, well, what does those what do those mechanics feel like? You know, if I were going to use my imagination and imagine something happening that was related to those mechanics, or if I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to make a game with tanks, what sort of mechanics would feel like, you know, yeah. tanks or whatever? And, and I find that they can sort of go back and forth so that, like, they're bouncing off each other. Oh, I'm making this tank game. What's another mechanic that would be for, ooh, I've got this cool mechanic. What's a way I can represent that with tanks? Or, or oh, maybe we need planes too because I've got this mechanic that doesn't feel like a tank, but it feels like <laughs> a plane, and you have tanks and planes in the same game. So I, I definitely, for me, they sort of go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, that's one of the things I like about uh, Hero Realms is I feel that it, it uses the mechanics from Star Realms in a way that makes even more flavor sense. And... Uh, will will feel even more natural to people. Yeah, fair enough. The um, Star Realms, a big breakout success uh, and, a, and a masterpiece of uh, fun. <laughs> uh, 
Cthulhu Realm seems to have a polished deck refining mechanics uh, by encouraging players to discard cards. Did you have much input into the way that Cthulhu Realms used your original design? As I understand it, you weren't exactly the lead designer on this one. All right, so uh, the way that came about, um, Cthulhu Realms is made by a company called Tasty Minstrel Games, yeah. who are big fans of Star Realms. Uh, they actually caught on pretty early in the process of how exciting Star Realms was before we were a breakout hit. And they're like, wow, this game's awesome. Uh, we would love to uh, pay for the rights to use your game engine to make a game using a different theme. And so, you know, we had a lot of discussions with them, and uh, we uh, came to an agreement that they were going to use the game engine to uh, make a Cthulhu-themed version of Star Realms. But, you know, they definitely put their own spin on it. Like, I, I feel like Cthulhu Realms is more targeted at advanced Star Realms players, because uh, uh, you it's hard to win a Cthulhu Realms with just an aggressive strategy, so the game almost inevitably goes to the very long, complex game, uh, and it can get pretty crazy at the end. Yeah. Where Star Realms can get there, but Cthulhu Realms almost always gets there. Um, and so it definitely plays differently than Star Realms in addition to having different visuals and a different flavor. Um, and frankly, Cthulhu Realms appeals a lot to a player like me. At this point, I probably play slightly more Cthulhu Realms Digital than I do Star Realms Digital because it's so well suited to my skill sets and my interests. I don't think it's as I don't think it has the broad appeal that Star Realms is because I think Star Realms appeals to a greater variety of types of players and mm. a greater variety of types of play and has a greater variety of games. And so I, I think that overall, Star Realms is a better game. It just so happens that for the type of game player I am, Cthulhu Realms is really well targeted for me and really satisfying for me to play. I love that sort of crazy game that you get to in the end game with Cthulhu Realms. Yeah, nice. it, gets, it gets very but, big. So yeah, I didn't design the, sorry, I didn't design the game, uh, but they definitely, I was a bit of a consultant in that they, as the art director for White Wizard Games, they had to get my approval of what artists they were going to use so that way they were representing uh, our engine with the types of quality visuals that we want. And uh, we actually, uh, our company uh, released the digital version. We did all the programming and development. We wrote the campaign for it and uh, we made sure that the uh, functions well and everything. So I've done a ton of testing for Cthulhu Realms. But uh, it was uh, one of the fellows over, or a couple of fellows over at uh, Tasty Mystery Games who actually designed the specific cards and such. Great. Thanks for that. That is a perfect segue into asking about Hero Realms and what distinguishes it from the rest of the Realms games and, uh, and what's new about it. <clears throat> okay, so uh, to Star Realms players, it will have uh, at least first seem very familiar uh, it's uh, a deck building game uh, with a center row that you're uh, acquiring cards from to make your deck better as the game goes on. Uh, you start with a 10 card deck that's the same as your opponents. Uh, you each have a health score that you're trying to reduce your opponent's health score to zero. So, and you have champions that function a bit like bases do in Star Realms and you have 
uh, action cards that function a bit like ships do in Star Realms. So all of this will feel very Star Realmsy. So in that way, it uses Star Realms engine in ways that are different. Uh, there, the obvious way is uh, the visuals and the theme. Like we're uh, using fantasy art and we have a fantasy theme and a fantasy story. But from a sort of gameplay standpoint, uh, the first thing you'll notice if you're just playing the basic game uh, is that it has a different tempo than Star Realms. Uh, basically, a card in Hero Realms that has the same cost as a card in Star Realms will generally seem more powerful. And that's because, uh, you know, it, it does have a different tempo. You get to the quote-unquote good part of the game where the action's happening faster in Hero Realms than you do in Star Realms. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people were initially concerned about this because people are so happy with Star Realms, why would you want to mess with that formula? Yeah. Uh, but in our uh, demoing to people, people seem to like the tempo of Hero Realms even better. It's not like the tempo of Star Realms was bad, it's just the tempo of Hero Realms is awesome. Um, <laughs> so we certainly don't want to fix something that's not broken, uh, but uh, we, we're actually super happy with this particular change. Uh, that's sort of the subtle difference. The more um, in-your-face difference ha- comes with the add-on products that we're uh, releasing for Hero Realms. Uh, we have uh, a campaign system, and we have boss decks, and we have character decks. Uh, the character decks are, are one of my favorite parts. Basically... Unlike Star Realms, where everyone always starts with two Vipers and eight Scouts, uh, in Hero Realms, you can play a specific character. So you can be like, okay, I'm going to play the Wizard, and you have a starting deck that's customized for the Wizard. So instead of having, you know, whatever the normal Hero Realms starting deck is, Mm. you're going to have certain, like, spells that are specific to the Wizard. You're going to have a Wizard's Familiar. You're going to have a Wizard's Staff. These are going to be cards you start with that are different than the normal starting deck, but they've been balanced to play against the other characters. So if I play the wizard and you play the thief and you are starting with the thief's knives and you're starting with the thief's other equipment and stuff, uh, your deck and my deck will match up well. We also have different starting health totals depending on which character you are. And uh, the art and the types of cards you have are, are all themed to the character. In addition, each character has abilities. So for example... Uh, the wizard has every character has a once per game ability. So the wizard has a fireball ability that once per turn allows them to do four damage to all opposing champions and players, uh, which is a very powerful ability. But you can only use it once per game. They also have a once per every character has a once per turn ability where you can spend two gold, which is how you acquire cards with gold, uh, to uh, do the once per turn ability. In the case of the wizard. He can pay two gold to channel, which means he loses one health but gets to draw an extra card from his deck. Yeah. And he, each character has a different ability, as their once per turn ability and their once per game ability. And that creates a lot more depth to the gameplay, because not only in addition to being able to evolve your deck by buying cards, but your deck's more interesting to start with, and you've got these abilities. So are you going to use your gold to buy something, or are you going to use your gold to use your ability, or are you going to buy something small and use your ability, and you've got your once-per-game ability. When's the right time to use it? So suddenly, there's a lot more interesting stuff going on from the get-go, and 
one of the, my favorite parts is then the matchups. So while we've made the character decks balanced against each other, different matchups play differently. Like, so if I'm playing the wizard against the thief, I might use a different strategy than if I'm playing the wizard versus the fighter. Oh, so cool. each matchup will lead itself to different strategies, which will already pre be in, in play before you even figured out what factions you're buying into from into your deck and stuff which I, I think just creates so many different interesting permutations that you know other deck building games don't have and that's just the character packs then we have boss decks and campaign decks with the boss decks it uh, basically it's a little bit like a character deck except it's a character that's designed to be so powerful he can take on a group of adventure. He or she can take on a group of adventurers by themselves. So, for example, we're going to have a dragon deck where you could have a party of characters like a cleric, a thief, a wizard, and a fighter, or whatever, who work cooperatively to battle against the dragon because the dragon's deck is better and the dragon's powers are better. So, and maybe its starting health is higher. So, it's designed to be powerful enough to take on a group. Or you could then. You and your friend, if you want to play two players, could each play a boss deck against each other. So you could have a dragon fighting against a lich lord or something with incredibly powerful decks to start with and incredibly powerful abilities to start with. If you want a real epic battle, that you know another thing that you ha don't have uh, with Star Arms. And finally, we have the campaign decks, which take everything to another level. So with the campaign deck, it uh, provides strong options for both solitaire play and cooperative play. The idea is you have a deck of cards which uh, allows things to happen as you're on an adventure. So it'll, it'll be almost like a cross between a role-playing game and a deck-building game at that point. Yeah, so that's what it sounds the like. campaign decks will be like a module. So maybe you're going into a dungeon or whatever with your party of characters who are building their decks and trying to get more powerful. And as they're adventuring, you know, when you take your turn, something will come up. Like maybe you'll encounter a monster or something will happen because you'll flip over a card when it's your turn and things happen that you have to react to. And you're only able to uh, help certain other, you know, if you're standing next to someone in your party, you can assist them, they can assist you. So it really makes for interesting cooperative play things that really just go down a different direction than other deck building games do with this whole sort of role playing like option, which I think a lot of people are going to be excited about because yeah. they, most people really view <clears throat> Star Wars as just a sort of one-on-one -on -one player versus player game, but to really have a fleshed out cooperative option and a fleshed out solitaire play option is going to be exciting for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, to play. so it sounds like you you have a a solo deck builder playing against an AI. Is that that's the possibility? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, uh, yeah, that's certainly, and and that's with physical cards. I mean, obviously, yeah. it'd be very exciting when we make a digital version, and we will make a digital version. Yeah. But the fact that you can have that sort of play with a physical game, I think, is pretty exciting. It is. That's a very cool idea. So, so um, are you are you persisting with another realms game after this, or are the card games compulsory for you now, or um, have you got another <laughs> series so, uh, series uh, idea? I, it's it's too soon uh, for me to give you any details, but we do already know what our next project is going to be, and I can tell you it's not a realms game, it's not a deck building game. Uh, it has a different theme than anything we've ever done before, and a different feel than anything we've ever done before. Uh, but, you know, it's it's just not in the near future, so uh, yeah. it's, it's too soon for us to start a discussion about it. But, yeah, we 
we definitely, while we want to fully explore the Realms system and the Realms game engine, uh, I think we're doing a pretty good job with that at the moment, and we definitely want to uh, explore other avenues of design as well. And, you know, it's important that our company be viewed as a game company and not just a Realms company. Yeah, it sounds sure. like White Wizard is uh, one to watch, you know, in the future for for a whole wide range of reasons. Um, Darwin, we've got a Seven Land Hand classic question that we like to ask, and okay. it's about your own ability to store and organize your board games. We're curious about how uh, everybody stacks. Some of them go for the Tetris method. Others go by like myself, organize my board games by color, uh, how, color of the box. How do you go about storing your games? Uh, I do have a bookcase that uh, its primary uh, purpose is storing uh, board games and card games. Uh, fortunately for me, uh, my girlfriend Barbara is very detail-oriented and very organized, and she really enjoys organizing things just right. Uh, so she she's <laughs> sort of in charge of that bookcase, uh, and she definitely seems to use a bit of a Tetris method and fit everything in just so to sort of maximize the uh, oh, use of space. It's not sort of in alphabetical or anything like that, but it does make very good use of space. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, to each their own. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Darwin. I, I've got to say, from uh, like our, our sponsor is Good Games. It's a store that goes right around Australia. And in, the, in WA, there's, I can't tell you how big Star Realms went down. It's like people were... You know, people within the store were just stopping you as you walked through the door to say, you have to buy this game immediately and play it, and we did, and it brought a lot of joy to all of us. So uh, that's when you know, your, your name and, and that thing just really jumped out of us, and it was, um, it was, it was great fun. And so it's, a, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you today. Wow, well, it, things like this make me feel really good, and I really appreciate it, and, it, and it's great to hear. Like, it's just so exciting knowing that a game that I love to play and loved making is affecting so many people positively in so many places. Like every time, like I'll go to a website and see an entire page of people in China playing the game. I may not know what any of the things on the page say, but I see the smiles on their faces and I, I just know that like, it's touching a lot of people. And when people tell me how much they love a game, it, it means a lot to me. So thank you. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a favorite amongst us. Awesome, awesome. Well, I think uh, oh, there's all right, we, we got through it before the, uh, the office filled up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so what do you do now? Do you go off and uh, pick up morning coffee and uh, newspaper? Uh, I, I've managed to give up caffeine, so this morning might be a bit of a struggle for me without <laughs> it, but... Uh, no, I, I just make sure I, I have a good breakfast, and I usually take my dog for a nice long walk to get myself in a good space mentally. Uh, but I think that this conversation has actually uh, helped me feel good about uh, my work, so I'm going to be able to go into today's work day with gusto. And, and without caffeine. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how that works out. We're, we're a natural caffeine hit, you know. If you don't need the caffeine, <laughs> you can call us up and we'll get you there. Let's go. <laughs> All right, great stuff, Darwin. Um, we'll let you get back to your day, hey? Thank you very much for your time. 
it's Matt's quiz. This, with, with Matt. This month by Matt. That's <laughs> I've, I've seized the, uh, the uh, reins of power and uh, I've wrested the, them from Jamie. Yeah. Let it be a lesson to all of you. Don't leave your reins of power lying around. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just run with them. You did such a good job. It was a great quiz. And, oh, but it thank proves, you. Glad you enjoyed it. It proves one thing, though. Uh, I'm probably better on the as the quiz master than the quizzed, <laughs> I think. But anyway, so what I've done here is I've got my uh, Cthulhu Realms loosely themed quiz, as is usual. Yep. And ridiculously scored, ridiculously scored, yeah. yeah, so ridiculously scored that I actually haven't figured out how I'm going to score it. But okay. as we all know, points don't matter, and uh, well, no one records them anyway. Actually, you do, David, don't you? Uh, no, unless <laughs> unless I win, unless you win. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, pen and paper at the ready. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Question one: Which of the following is not? A Lovecraftian monster. Easy. Okay. Which of the following is not a Lovecraftian monster? Thought I'd talk it up early, Jamie. That's a bit of smack talk. I learned that off Darwin, you see. Go in, you know, super aggressive, game face on. Here we go. So I'm going to give you a list of uh, monsters here. Which one is not the Lovecraftian monster? Before you say, how big's the list? Uh, five. Okay, cool. All right. Azathoth, Sathoga, Wendigo, Night Gaunt, Deep One. That list again. Azathoth, Sathoga, Wendigo, Night Gaunt, Deep One. Which of those five is not a Lovecraftian monster? Oof. Okay. All right. How'd you go there, Jamie? Ready when you are. Question two. For Targan Naglui. <laughs> really yeah yeah i know exactly what you said what'd you say about my mother uh, i said that when she's asleep in her house she's actually dead but she's dreaming at the same time <laughs> what is dead will never die pick the false statement about darwin castle oh so i've got uh, three statements here one of them is obviously incorrect incorrect right all right so a Darwin Castle came eighth in a Sydney Invitational. Darwin Castle came eighth in a Sydney Invitational. That's the same as the first one. That's I'm just repeating it. Oh, you're repeating. Okay. <laughs> B. Yeah. Darwin Castle used to be a dog trainer and still does in his free time. Oh, he said he walked his dog. Darwin Castle mm. used to be a dog trainer and still does in his free time. And the last one. Darwin Castle was the lead developer on Ascension, while Rob Doherty was the lead developer on Star Realms. Darwin Castle was the lead developer on Ascension, while Rob Doherty was the lead developer on Star Realms. Which one of those three statements is false? Uh, David's got his thinking face on. No, that's me trying to breathe. Oh. <laughs> my mistake. I'm trying to remember if I had my inhaler earlier on in the evening. If I fall over and I'm unconscious soon, uh, the answer is no. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Question three. Which of the following statements about Lovecraft is true? And we're talking, yeah. of course, H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, not that. Yeah, go on. All right. So I've got three statements. Which of the following is true? 
A, he was best buddies with Harry Houdini. B, H.P. Lovecraft isn't buried under his headstone. Or C, Lovecraft rarely went out in public during daylight. What was it? Which one's true? Which one's false? Which one of these is true? There's two of them that are sort of true. You just put down which one was true. Okay. (laughs) Which of the following statements about Lovecraft is true? He was best buddies with Harry Houdini. H.P. Lovecraft isn't buried under his headstone. And Lovecraft rarely went out in public during daylight. Question four. Chaosium Incorporated is one of the oldest RPG publishers still in existence. It was established by Greg Stafford in oh. what year? <laughs> oh. Chaosium is Boy. one of the oldest, oldest RPG publishers still in existence. Oldest. Still around. Oldest. You use the, you uh, use the yeah, word oldest. Uh, <laughs> 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 one of the oldest RPG publishers still around. It was established by Greg Stafford in what year? Okay. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it is the oldest. It just means it is an old. That's right. That's right. It's one of the oldest. I Which think could mean anything, find... Okay. Um... Well, I don't know. I'm trying to say is TSR older, but then TSR isn't around anymore. I'd say so... it was in the 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a complete guess. Is there yeah. any, I don't know, is there any evidence of role-playing games pre-1900? Depends how could... you define them. That'd be an interesting quiz. Seven Land Hand Extra in a couple months' time. It'd be how the Egyptians did RPG. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Uh, and question five, final question. Arkham Sanitarium may have been inspired by which state is insane asylum located in Massachusetts? Arkham oh. Sanitarium may have been inspired by which state insane, insane asylum Located in Massachusetts. Multiple choice. The clue, yeah, is that appeared in Pickman's model and the Shadow over Innsmouth. Yeah, I'm going to keep on that. Mentioned in the Pickman's model and the Shadow over Innsmouth. Yeah. Okay. That's a that's a that. real you either know it or you don't question. I think. No, do, have, you, have you got it, Jamie? Got a guess. Okay, well, that's good enough. I was going to ask for I was going to ask for another clue, but no. All right. Okay, back to the answers. Well, let's go to the answers. Question one: Which of the following is not a Lovecraftian monster? Azathoth, Sathoga, Wendigo, Nightgaunt, Deep One, and David. What did you have? Well, it's down to two. It's either Sathoga or Wendigo, and Wendigo. I just don't know if I'm familiar with that because. It's in Lovecraft, or it's some sort of silly Australian thingy. It sounds so Australian, doesn't it? The, the Wendigo. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sathoga. So I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard of Sathoga, so I'm going to go with Sathoga. Okay, Jamie? I went with the Wendigo. Oh, crap. The answer is Wendigo. No. Yeah. It's uh, out of uh, Native American. Oh, okay. Um, I think Native American. Sathoga. Where was Sathoga from yeah. then? Uh, uh, Sathoga's one of Durleth's creations, I think. Oh, well, doesn't that mean it's not a Lovecraft? And well, no, it's Lovecraft. It's part of the mythos. Yeah, oh, part of okay. The mythos, yeah. That's cheaty. <laughs> I haven't, that's why I haven't heard of him. 
Question two, pick the false statement about Darwin Castle. Was, did Darwin Castle come eighth in a Sydney Invitational? Did he used to be a dog trainer and still does it in his free time? Or was he the lead developer on Ascension while Rob Doherty was the lead developer on Star Realms? Jamie, which one is the false statement? I went with A, the uh, Sydney Invitational one. Yeah, me too. I reckon he would have won it. He actually came fifth. Fifth. Yeah. Close enough. (laughs) Yeah, that was a false one. Uh, Question three. Which of the following statements about Lovecraft is true? He was best buddies with Harry Houdini. He isn't buried under his headstone. Or he rarely went out in public during daylight. David. Well, he wrote a story for Harry Houdini under the pyramids, I think it was called. And... Uh, but whether he was best buddies or not, that's a subjective thing. Uh, but definitely B, he's not buried under his tombstone. He's a little way off. He's got a, he's got a nice big pointy thing with his name all over it and he's nowhere near there. Um, so B is my answer. Okay, Jamie? I had exactly the same because I knew that he had written the story for Houdini, but thanks to the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast, yeah. uh, I had uh, <laughs> discovered that he wasn't particularly happy with it in the end. Yeah, um, that's right. So I don't think that he was a big fan of Houdini. Well, you'd be interested to know that uh, he actually was best buddies with Harry Houdini. He, <laughs> you might be interested to know your quiz is wrong, Matt. <laughs> he Are you sure you're not con- confusing him with um, Conan Doyle? He was best buddies with Harry Houdini. No, no, I got this off uh, 10 interesting, most interesting facts about H.P. Lovecraft. I don't think he was best buddies with anybody, that's to what be it fair. Said. No, I don't think he had <laughs> And that's, that's where I got my information from in my haste. Okay, uh, listener... Listener, please write in. <laughs> Prove him wrong, like the D120. <laughs> he uh, isn't buried under his headstone, so that's true. And what? he rarely went out in public during daylight. That is also true. Well, you said to tell us which you one was true. true. Correct. They were all true. So you could have told me any one of those three uh. and you would have been right. Trick question. <laughs> is Number I'm, four. I'm leaving, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Chaosium was one of the oldest, is one of the oldest RPG publishers still around, established by Craig, Greg Stafford in what year, Jamie? Uh, I guess 1979, because that's the year that I was born. Okay. <laughs> I, went, I went much later. I went 987. It was actually 1975. Oh, so, Jamie, you get the point. Yeah. Uh, the first game ever published was called White Bear and Red Moon. It classic. was a board game. Yeah, classic. Good stuff, that. And uh, last question, number five. Oh, the sanitarium. Arkham Sanitarium may have been inspired by which state insane asylum located in Massachusetts, appearing in Pickman's model and the shadow over Innsmouth was David? Massachusetts Sanatorium. Jamie? <laughs> uh, I guess Danvers State Hospital. Because I know that was the basis for Arkham Asylum as well. And Jamie has the point. It was Danvers. Batman saves the day. Well done. I would never have got that. Nice. Well played, Jamie. You you thrashed me. But I enjoyed... I I enjoy a a Lovecraft quiz. That's good. Yeah, all that Lovecraft's awesome, isn't it? This has been Matt's Quiz. Woohoo! Leets and twos! Leets and twos! Leets and twos. Here we are again. At the end of Cthulhu Realms, talk with Darwin Castle. Just a general rundown of Neats and Twos. I understand you have some of the above, Jamie? I do. Uh, so here in Sydney, we've put in a bid to uh, get a whole bunch of the national tournaments for fantasy flight games. Wow. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and we won a bunch of them. So uh, 
over the uh, the first and second of October. You yeah. can come to Sydney and play in the Nationals for Imperial Assault, Star, uh, Warhammer Conquest, Star Wars the Card Game, and a Game of Thrones, all oh, nice. in the one weekend. Oh, that's, that's amazing. We did Imperial, I'm just trying to find the episode number, Imperial Assault, uh, a little while ago, actually. That was, that was really good fun. I loved it. It's a super fun game, yeah. So what are people playing for? Uh, well, for Imperial Assault and uh, Game of Thrones... You get a flight over to Massachusetts to play in uh, the World Tournament uh, that Fantasy Flight's hosting. Wow. And there's wow. also, all, for all the games, there's all sorts of swag. There's play mats and acrylic cards and tokens and you name it. That's it's going to be huge. That's if you really can, awesome. Let's if you can what? believe it, we did Imperial Assault in episode 51, which is 20 episodes Holy ago. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, that's... I have to say that, that Fantasy Flight and their organized play network um, really is exciting. You know, that the, they, they offer it for pretty much all of their big hits. And and what they offer, you know, the prizes, like you've just said, a uh, chance to go and represent yourself in the worlds. Um, I mean, that's not a small pretty amazing thing. Swag, yeah. that's, that's pretty impressive for a prize. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well done. Congratulations, Jamie. Yeah, well, congratulations to uh, everyone who's coming because they're going to have an awesome time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, start uh, drumming up support. All right, comments on uh, this month's um, Facebook uh, giveaway competition. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to Di- Diana Estrella for two reasons. Uh, her name sounds a bit like Australia, but it's Estrella. Uh, she's overseas, so, you know, she needs to be brought to be aware of these sort of things. Fair you know. enough. And uh, and also she's got a super hot picture of uh, Mary Jane Watson as a profile pic. <laughs> I don't know which swung me more, the Estrella or the Mary Jane Watson pic. Also, big shout out to James Russell Wills who commented uh, this month because uh, he kept slogging away until he actually got an entry in the right place because apparently he went and uh, commented somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually got there in the end. And that's what we like to see, James. Well done. That's perseverance, buddy. Um, yeah, either either one of you. Have you got anyone else? Got anyone? I like uh, Scott Mangini's comment was, uh, would love this game, just hoping the powers that be don't say, no dice. Yeah. No. And we'll find I like, out. Uh, I like Ben Edwards. You don't have to twist my arm. I'll gladly win this game. That's the kind of confidence that I like going into a, a yeah. competition. He'll twist his own arm for you. There's no need to, <laughs> no need to rough him up. Um, well, what, what should we do? We could, we could just announce who has won it since we're neck deep in comments. Why not? All right. So uh, last month's, last month's winner, Dice City, is... We haven't decided who was going to say it. Who wants to say it? I can't can remember. Oh, you can't even got it? All right, I'll say <laughs> that. Those dulcet British tones going on. Last month's winner is James Thomas. Hooray! Hooray Yay! for James. Uh, well, I'll get in touch with you on the Facebook page, on the Messenger, and uh, let you know how you can pick up your copy of Dice City. That's it. Exciting times. Congratulations. Yeah. So don't forget that you can, every single month this is happening, we've got a game give, being given away uh, on our Facebook page. Um, it's always the post that's pinned to the top of the, uh, the page. And also you can get 10% off Cthulhu Realms this month by stating the password. How deep is, how deep your, is old your old one? one? How deep is your old one? You can't imagine how excited Matt was when he came to us with the idea that we would have a <laughs> singing password. Uh, <laughs> I thank my wife because uh, until uh, she told me that it was by the Bee Gees, I was thinking Barry White for some reason. 
Barry White isn't. Is Barry White? Oh, Barry, Barry White. Diff- oh, that Barry in the Bee Gees. Yeah, there's a Barry in the Bee Gees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Barry Gibb, but... I've forgotten about Barry White. Barry White knows us. How deep is Oh, that low? Barry White. Oh, no, yeah, I'm thinking that, of someone... I was thinking really low, but... Oh, well, forget oh, it. She laughed at me when I sang it. It's too late. enough for your love, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you get the sense it's getting late, listener? I do. Yeah. Um, um, all right, that password works anywhere in the yeah, world. Try living in the future. Yeah. Uh, that, that password works anywhere in the world as long as you're standing in a good game shop. So uh, get onto that in, um, in July. That's where we're up or, to you now. Or, you know, if you can't be bothered, if you're too lazy, go comment and win it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that. If you're too lazy, comment. Yeah, cease this <laughs> lucid dream of a podcast and go just comment on this on the show <laughs> podcast, which will be at the top of the Facebook page now. Um, what else have we got? She used the word podcast three times in a sentence. Did I? I oh, know. <laughs> I'm struggling here. I'm struggling now. Shall um, we end your misery with yeah. a little bit of news? Uh, oh, just let me say before you get into that, just for those people that do comment on it and we uh, bring it up on air, uh, please get in touch at podcast at sevenlandhand.com and send us your details. We'll send you out a Hypermagic Nerd badge, um, which is good fun. That's more free stuff that's just flying around the place. Yep. All right, yeah. I think the heating that we put on earlier off yeah. has worn off. I'm starting I think to freeze. My feet are freezing. <laughs> All right, so what's your news, Matt? Uh, this weekend in Perth is Supernova. Woo-hoo. So uh, on Saturday, I'm going to head over to uh, to check Supernova, it out, check yeah. out the cosplayers, check out the uh, comics, check out whatever else <clears throat> is going around. And, uh, yeah. yeah. I think you're, are, you, are you going? Um, I probably won't be this year because uh, I have to be busy. Well, I'm going to take uh, my my eldest son Cameron, who's four, to his first. Are you going to well, festival. you got to cosplay him up because it's yeah. very popular. I'm going to dress. Well, I'm not going to dress him. Um, he's going to dress himself, and I believe he wants to go as Darth Unicorn. So it's kind oh, of a mishmash okay. of a unicorn costume and Darth Vader. That's fun. So yeah. So that's if you a... see Darth Unicorn, that's that's Cameron. And, um, yeah, hopefully I might even come back with some, I don't know, some interesting photos for the Facebook page. Well, look, this with a photo that we uh, posted before the show of uh, Matt writing the quiz, looking very solemn. Uh, just got a comment from Eliza Michael, who we know. Uh, she's uh, said Cthulhu Realms is fantastic. That awesome. Seal of approval. Eliza, make sure you put re-comment on the... Uh... On the Cthulhu Realms post and uh, put your hat in the game, uh, hat in to win the game. Um, all right, that's about it then, isn't it? Yeah. All right, we'll um, play some tunes and um, and then the long tune. I'd like to thank Darwin Castle for joining us uh, and yeah. chat this evening. Um, it was really great, and and I think that getting a chance to talk to these designers, developers, people involved in the gaming industry and in the gaming community and why in general. Uh, it's really helping to open my eyes to this great, fabulous, amazing hobby that we're all sharing. And uh, I think we're really lucky to uh, have such a, an, a open and uh, friendly yeah. Uh, and get, get in, people to speak to. Get in touch if, if there's somebody out there that you think uh, would, like to, would be good to talk to or you'd like to hear from, then uh, yeah, get in touch. Uh, we'd love to have a chat. We'd like to know what's going on around the world. We would. We we. We'll ask until we're blue in the face, and fingers crossed that's enough. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Jamie, I'd like to thank you for uh, staying up so ridiculously late to, uh, ah, to, we've to done talk worse. to us. It's, it's only quarter past 12. No, no drama. 
<laughs> Knowing that tomorrow is Saturday, I'm, well, it already is Saturday over there, uh, I'm sure it makes it all worthwhile. So it's going to go two hours harder than the rest of us. That's it. Yeah. You don't open your doors till what, 10 o'clock? 10 when, o'clock. 10, 12? 10. 10. 10. Yeah. Ooh, so next, got, you can get a bit of sleep. Next month. Next oh. month. Cult Express. Oh, Colt, we forgot that. <laughs> I totally forgot. That was some, my idea. Some, something else Matt's excited about. It's Cult <laughs> oh, Express. I'll get to that. Next game of the month. Yeah, what's the next game of the month, Matt? Oh, Cult Express. That's the one. It's uh, Spiel des Jahres winner for 2015. It is. uh, Designed by Christophe Rembault. Yeah, so we're... uh, I have to learn how to practice that, I think. We're getting in there. We're getting all French. Yeah, we're going French again. (laughs) We could call him Christopher Lambert, but... um... You know, already, yeah. We'd be completely wrong. We don't and... make Highlander and Mortal Kombat jokes the whole way through. <laughs> I'm up for that. That'll be good. And David, I'd like to thank you for uh, putting everything together. And uh, I know that uh, when you look down and see that your uh, things are not as they should be, you, uh, my knees are blue. <laughs> you take it in your stride, and uh, we press on and, and uh, get this thing done. Yeah, so, and yeah. nobody notices. Yeah. <laughs> Seamless. And thank you, Matt. Thanks for doing everything with the outro and the quiz and the talk and and the (laughs) and the elaborating and the questions. And thank you, listener. Thanks for being there. And thanks to Geek Shop for the top of the podcast. That was cool too. Oh, the bump at the beginning. Thanks to everyone else who isn't already covered. Yeah. Good night, listener. Good night.